You're listening to a podcast from 702. Online, smartphone, DSTV channel 856 and on 92.7 and 106 FM. This is 702. 14 minutes after 5. Let me welcome on the line now, Panyanza Lasufi, Gauteng MSC for Education. Mr. Lasufi, good afternoon. I'm Pepeta. How are you? I'm very well. Are you okay? I'll be fine one day, Pepeta. Thank uh, you so much. No, thanks for coming through. Really appreciate it. There's also Tim Gordon, a National Chief Executive of the Governing Body Foundation. Tim, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you and to your listeners, ah, and also to MEC Lasufi. Ah, fantastic. Thank you very much for your time. Let me start with the MEC here, team of if I may, because on Friday, the MEC tweeted, responding to a Mail and Guardian article about a big jump in elite school fees, and perhaps just to give my listeners a sense of what the article was saying, it was talking about parents of pupils attending some of the country's top former Model C and private schools face fee hikes of more than 3,500 and 10,000 rand, respectively, next year. The annual school fee does not include the advance payment, the non-refundable enrollment levy, 65,770 for boarders at one private school on top of 120,900 tuition fee or the non-refundable acceptance fee that parents of pupils who are enrolling their children at some private schools for the first time have to fork out. The additional costs run into tens of thousands of friends. Now, in the same article, Banyazala Sufi's colleague in the Western Cape, um, MEC Debe Schaefer, is quoted as, as expressing concern about the inflation uh, about the above inflation fee increases some schools have agreed on. She says, if it gets out of control, it may be worth considering putting a limit on the percentage increase in school fees unless they make a formal motivation for, for it with good reason. So, Banyazada Sufi then tweeting around this issue says, we have a regulatory body that regulates the prices of electricity in this country, but none to regulate the price of education. I'm assuming you're suggesting that there must be regulation around this issue, Mr. Sufi. Yes, I really feel that uh, there must be an independent body that regulates these fees without necessarily hampering their progress, their quality, as well as the need for them to grow. Let me let me raise my point here, Colin, why I really feel that must be. Because these things differ. For example, there are areas where you find there are no schools. Um, so the cost of schools, therefore, is increased purely on the basis that you don't have either public school or private school. So people will be excluded on the basis that they cannot get a quality school in their own area. Secondly, uh, the cost of schools is putting undue pressure on public education because due to the economic setup, like where we are now, when the pressure is high, those learners are downloaded in, our, in the public education system with serious limitation. And one of the major limitations is the issue of language. You find that some of these learners, because they're in some of these institutions, former model school or private schools, they cannot do an African language. And when their parents cannot afford to pay and when they're kicked out, we have to incur extra cost to bring them on par so that they can follow the curriculum where he wants to. But thirdly, which is my main, main worry, to be quite frank, is that these institutions, unfortunately, in most instances, they suspend their right of a learner to get access to education. If a parent does not pay one month or two months, they terminate immediately in terms of not allowing them to write exams or telling a, a parents to remove their children from those particular institutions. And that as well put pressure. So okay. our argument is very, very clear to say we're not saying the fees are unreasonable. We're not saying the fees must not increase, but let there be an independent body that must deal with the following issues affordability, that the fees are not used to exclude other learners, 
that the fees are meant also to accommodate exclusion and inclusivity. And that's right. our argument. Tim is going to respond shortly. But Minister, let me see, before I go to Tim, let me ask you this, because a lot of my listeners are saying, well, actually, you're the last people to talk as government because the financial support that some of these good schools are getting from government is decreasing every year. It's almost non-existent. It's not true. Uh, I mean, there's context for that. I mean, we cover all the, uh, the salaries of educators in all our schools, yeah, both former models schools and, 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 and public schools. We cover also many other things that makes the schools to function. And there is context why uh, we want the poor to be the ones that are taken care of purely because of the economic exclusion that we have. We are not, we are not going to be free to learn if the poor are not free. And education becomes the key issue to liberate ordinary people and to take them out of the bondage of poverty. So it's, we're not going to be apologetic that okay. we are biased. But, but, but are you saying you cover the salaries of these schools? Because, and it, you know, people are saying, well, it's not only the salaries that make these schools good. You've got to cover other things as well. They're talking about um, uh, extramural teachers. Uh, they're talking about other operational costs that these schools incur that make them the good schools that they are. Who covers those? I'm very sympathetic to uh, those particular schools. I know the difficulties that are going through. Uh, for example, they have to hire extra teachers on top of the role that we give as the department, purely because of the challenges that they have that we just alluded to. Uh, teachers that need to provide extra classes, teachers need to put extra mural activities, teachers need to give support. And they, they, they actually, they carry the burden that need to be carried by the state. But the state has no choice because we have to carry the poor along. So what will you do when you have to prioritize these two important institutions if you take the history of our country? You have to carry the poor so that they don't have to be resettled in the, and remain trapped in the poverty cycle. We need to train them to be active participants of the economic activity. So there's nothing wrong for us to prioritize the poor, but at the same time provide additional support. And we do. We provide additional support, not in terms of financial matters. If you check the curriculum support, you, we, we, we provide the curriculum that they write is our curriculum. If you check the monitoring and inspection, that need to happen comes from our staff members. So there is some form of support that might not translate into financial support to those institutions, but those institutions operate on the same curriculum platform that we have within public schools. That okay. is why we say the regulation so that it does not hamstring. And, and the examples, I mean, if all these Model C schools, if they want to increase the salaries of the principal, they come and apply uh, to my office okay. to say, MEC, we want to increase the salary of this teacher and we'll check the role and give go, and, and give them a go-ahead or, or decline that thing. We are saying within that particular context, they are, and Colin, I want to emphasize, sorry I'm taking your time, I know on that one, they are uh, uh, processes. For example, uh, the, 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 the SGB need to present the budget to the parents and if the parents feel believe they can afford it, it's fine, they can afford it. But we have to ensure that does not exclude people in a certain area, it's affordable, and does not exclude people on the basis of race or people using uh, 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 prices to exclude other okay. communities to participate. All right, in Tim, Tim on that note, let me bring you in then. Um, because there, there are suspicions that people are excluded on the basis of um, their, their social status. If you're poor, you can't go to these schools. Uh, and, and this is why on an annual basis you get these prices, these fees going up. No, I, th- I think that there's been a great deal that has been said here that is either slightly misleading or not quite straightforward. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing is don't talk to us about the what's happening in the independent schools. I think that that is something which really lies outside of the ambit of this discussion. Sure. But if we have a look at the the state schools, the public schools that we are talking about, I think the first thing is that to say that people are excluded from those on affordability grounds 
is at very best a twisting of the whole issue. Anybody who gets into those schools does not have to pay the fees if they don't find them affordable. And that is according to a laid down set of criteria which is very clearly set by the state, not by the individual schools, and which has to be applied by the schools and which the state has all the powers at its disposal to address if something is being done illegally. So that doesn't uh, really wash, I'm afraid. Okay, so you're talking about exemptions, right? I'm talking about exemptions, yes. All right. Just on the exemptions, and I'm going to allow you to pick up on the other issues as well. Friday, there was a parent who called and said, you see, the issue of the exemptions sometimes um, is used then to pre-select people. If you think that that person comes from a community that is likely not to pay or is likely to ask for exemptions, you preclude them already before they even become part of the school. You know, if people are doing that and it is against the law, then let us take action against those people. Let's not try and put a law there, which in any case people start trying to find loopholes for. Mm. I, I don't think that it is fair to say because one person did it wrong, we must now change the regulations for everybody. Okay. But the, the whole setup was put in place in 1994 and following, and world exports, experts were called in to help to find a particular method which would work for the South African context to allow for excellence of education, but also to allow for access. And they came up with a model which said, democratically, the parents of the school can decide what the fee is going to be. And anybody who can't afford that fee and is in the school can get in without paying the fee. So those things are all there in place already. Okay. And I think that it would be a great pity if we on the basis of one or two people who are trying to circumvent the system, looked for all sorts of other rules, regulations and laws which are not really necessary. And I'm, I'm afraid that if the MEC brings up the concept of regulations such as electricity, well, then that could hardly have been worse because if you look at those figures we are talking about that were quoted in the Mail and Guardian, although the figures sound high, the percentage increases were all round about the 8% level. The electricity and those sort of things which are regulated by government are going up at 16, 20% per annum. I think that the other thing that one needs to have a look at in connection with the fee increases is that there are two huge increase drivers, if you like. Mm -hmm. The one is staff salaries and the other is things such as electricity and water and municipal services. Now, those are the two areas where actually the governing bodies and the schools don't have a say in what the increases are going to be. Electricity increases are governed by the um, regulations that the, the MEC was talking about. And when it comes to salaries, the governing bodies used to be allowed to be part of the negotiating team on deciding on salary increases. But we have been excluded from that, and that's a decision which, again, is taken only in government and union um, organizations where the salary increases are decided. Mm. And those, the salary increases decided by government, not by the schools, was 8.5% this year. And now we are complaining if the schools put up their fees by 8.5% or 8.3% or 8.7%. So one must be very careful to read the reality of the situation 
and not come with a big hammer to kill a fly sure. and to go at the individuals, not at the system. I, I hear you, Tim, about this 8.5% that uh, teachers' salaries grew, went up by about 8.5%. But parents are saying to me, where I work... They say to me, well, the inflation is up by 6.5% or so, and my salary is going to be in that range. Yet the school where my child goes increases the fee by 9.5%, for instance, which is what uh, War School Petersburg did. So why don't you then say to schools, listen, whenever you increase the fees, but you must be inflation sensitive, understand that parents, um, parents, parents' salaries may have only gone up by about 6%. Well, our particular organization has made a great thing of it to our schools, that they need to be extremely sensitive to that. We have got more families becoming one breadwinner families where there used to be two breadwinners. There are more and more of them that are going really into difficult circumstances because of the sort of increases that Eskom and the water boards and the municipalities are putting up. And we have said, please keep this to your very lowest possible. But as I say, it was the government that decided on the 8.5%, not the schools, when it comes to teacher salaries. And that if you've got one school that you've mentioned there that has gone for a 9.5%, well, then go and speak to that school. As the MEC said, he has got every right to have a look at it. Nobody can give the principal more money unless they have permission from his department. Nobody can pay staff members additional amounts unless they have the permission of the MEC. So all that is built into the system already. And I think that we must be fair and accept that it is not the governing bodies in most instances. There will be exceptions, but in most instances, it is not the fault of the governing bodies here, but the circumstances which is being forced on them from outside and partly from these uh, prices which are controlled by or through government or government-related organizations. It's not the schools themselves. Sure. Uh, and we certainly agree with you that they must be very, very careful, and we have been particularly strong on advising them in that way. Quick final word, Mr. Lesufi. Hold on. Uh, my concern is affordability. As I said, I'm very sympathetic to your schools. I understand the pressures and some of the difficulties that they're facing. It's just we need to use affordability as a measure, and you need an independent body to determine that. So it's not us as, an as a department that we say it. And like, I can request you to open your mind. How many of your listeners, as I'm speaking to you now, Colin, that their houses are either attached or they've been taken to, to, to lawyers for recoupment? The numbers are increasing. It's a disturbing trend purely because the affordability levels are at the pace where it's not measured and it cannot be justified. I can tell you now, Colani, go to Corruption Watch report, the highest number of corruption that is happening uh, uh, in our province is in schools and former modelist schools to be particular. So some of the increases are not increases that can be justified mm. purely because people want to maintain a certain lifestyle regardless of the conditions that we find ourselves. Okay. Just go to Corruption Watch report and check the number of schools that are involved in those kind of activities. So I'm saying let's strike a balance, a balance that is outside state influence, a balance that is outside the SGB influence, that will allow us to say you can't have uh, uh, student fees uh, being far above even some of the university fees. It can't be. It cannot be justified. And some of these institutions are just using these fees to project an image that they are a good school. Okay. If you check the caliber of their curriculum work, 
Unfortunately, it's not. All right. Banyazala Sufi is the MEC for Education. Tim Gordon, I must thank you very much. So Banyazala Sufi says perhaps some sort of a, a regulatory institution, but Tim says actually maybe you're blowing things out of proportion here. What do you as a parent then say? Let me know.